Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Coffee Connections. I'm your host, Seth Weiner, and I am your Roxioneer. Welcome again. It's spring. It's nice outside. Again, finally, we, I, so the last time we talked, I said it was nice outside. And then it rained and it poured. Uh, boy, did it pour. But it started to feel like fall. The leaves have fallen. Uh, and, and I was looking to actually to play Autumn Leaves, but I couldn't find that. But the track we did play in the beginning is with our guest today. Uh, let me tell you about our guest. Our guest is Joe Alterman. And uh, Joe is the executive director of Naradana, which was formerly known as the Atlanta Jewish Music Festival. But we'll get into that. Joe's a native of Atlanta. Uh, he studied music in New York University, where he received both his bachelor's and master's degrees in jazz piano performance. Uh, he's, uh, he's performed with so many, he's been covered in the press by so many is, uh, one of the, uh, one interesting fact that we, he's, uh, played venues like, uh, the world renowned Kennedy center, the Lincoln center, Birdland in New York and, uh, New York's blue note. Uh, so yeah, he's open for some of the biggest acts. Like I mentioned, Nora Jones and, uh, um, uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire, and just, gosh, he's, he's, he's got a great career. But we're not here to talk about his music as much as we are about all the wonderful work he is doing with Naranana. Now, I mentioned that they used to be known as the Atlanta Jewish Music Festival, but today Joe's going to tell us exactly what's going on because there is a name change and a mission change. Ladies and gentlemen, please, <laughs> Joe. Hey, <laughs> thanks for having me. Yeah, man. It's good to finally uh, connect with you. I know we swim in several of the same circles, uh, but it's a, it's an honor to have you on the show. Yeah, well, thanks for having me, really. Yeah. Well, you know, it is Coffee Connection, so we got to do a little coffee talk. Do you yes. drink coffee? I do. I'm drinking right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, look yes. at that. What, you yeah. got a mug there. What's uh? I do. What's, well, let's see that mug. I got a little... Uh... Steinway mug. I bought a piano a little while ago. Not a Steinway, but it was at the Steinway factory. So they gave me the free mug for buying the piano. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, interesting. Uh, you know, so you drink your coffee one note at a time? <laughs> Pretty much. Yes. I drink it. I drink it black. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Black. Uh, so you prefer hot or cold? I'm a, I'm a hot coffee guy. Yeah, even here in Atlanta. Growing up in Atlanta, and you're a hot coffee guy. Yeah, I, I, I can't explain it. It's just what I like. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, French press or drip? Uh, either's good. I, I have a Keurig here, so eat both of those are like uh, delicacies for me when I can get them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. uh, you're, gosh, I mean, I'm going to let you tell the story, but you're just, just give everyone a little background. You became the director, executive director about a year ago for the Atlanta Jewish Music Festival, which is, I think, on its 10th year. Is that right? Is it yeah. on 10 years? Wow. Mm -hmm. I got involved uh, in year one and two when Russell was uh, uh, just birthed it, and I kind of helped out here and there a little bit. So it's amazing to see the growth of it. But why don't you tell everyone about who you are, what Naranana is, et cetera. Um, I'll go ahead and hand it over to you. Yeah, I'll give I'll give the uh, the spiel. So basically, I I grew up here in Atlanta, and uh, as I was growing up, all I wanted to do was move to New York and play uh, piano. And luckily, that happened. Uh, but I guess after being in New York for about uh, eight or nine years, where I was living out the dream, which was to play somewhere every night, I realized that after doing that for about six years, I wasn't enjoying. I was only enjoying you know two out of six nights a week. Um, 
And I know you're not going to like every aspect of your job, but to me, uh, I realized that that wasn't the right trajectory for me. Music's too special to only enjoy two out of six nights for it. It's, it's always been like medicine for me. So I wanted to do anything I could to save that. But while I was trying to get those gigs originally, I had done a lot of work in the music on the music business side. And I interned at the Blue Note in New York for many years and did marketing for them and you know, I worked with PR, music PR people. I did grant reviewing for the National Endowment for the Arts. I worked with record producers. I did everything I possibly could do, truthfully, just to get gigs. And they, it worked. But then once I got back to Atlanta, I decided to move back to Atlanta at the end of this kind of period. Realized I needed something to do in addition to playing piano to save uh, the joy and the medicinal aspect of music. And I realized, luckily, I started to miss some of that music business type work. So I actually met with Russell who uh, founded the Atlanta Jewish Music Festival and just was curious if he had any contacts that I could meet with. And uh, he actually asked me, he kind of hinted that he was interested in stepping down and uh, asked me if I might want to take it over. At the time, I wasn't really sure that I would, but I decided to shadow him for the uh, 2018 festival. And, you know, I realized that basically as a musician, a jazz musician who has a lot of uh, great uh you know, black, legendary black jazz musician mentors, I, my take on Jewish music is a little different than a lot of people. And so, whereas the organization previously defined Jewish music as a Jew playing music, it was really a showcase for Jewish performers. I was always asking myself, what is Jewish music? What is Jewish music? And once it kind of hit me that to me, it's not really a thing. It's not really a genre. You might think it's klezmer music, but that's a genre of its own. Uh, once, once I realized that it's to me, it's less of a genre and more of a cultural phenomena that touches on every genre. I was like, I want to do this. And so basically, uh, I started in the summer of 2018 and we've had a good two years, but I've realized that the name isn't really accurately reflecting what we do anymore. So pretty much, you know, to many non-Jews, they think it's religious music for Jews and many Jews think it's klezmer music or, you know, and it's neither of those. And it's basically my job has been, uh, hey, I run the Atlanta Jewish Music Festival. It's not what you think it is for two years. And I've always wanted to, uh, you know, I like how, uh, uh, you know, uh, music festivals today founded after like 1980, all have one word, you know, Bonnaroo, Spoleto, Coachella, all this stuff versus, you know, the, you know, Atlanta Music Festival. And I really wanted this to reflect that. And luckily we got the funding to do a rebrand. And when we found this word, Naranana, I remember at a board meeting, we all kind of looked at each other like, that sounds like a festival. And then we found out that it means in Hebrew, let's come and sing together. And I think that's a perfect, you know, perfect both uh, what it means and, and what we're trying to do when we're talking. We talk a lot about American music and there's Jewish parts of uh, all over American music. When I, when I was running it as AJMF, I've done some work for Wynton Marsalis and I told him the name of the festival and he said, Jewish music, fascinating, not really a thing, but all over American music. And I totally agree. And I think let's sing together in Hebrew is, you know, really exemplifies what we're trying to do, what we're all about now, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. No, that that's a great way to, to put it. <laughs> um, ramble, I know. <laughs> no, no, it's good. I mean, and a lot of people have been to a bar mitzvah or a wedding and, and recognize Naranana from Hava Nagila, but also... Mm -hmm. Uh, there's what's the lacuna ranana? You yeah, know, that one. yeah, it's like the uh, beginning of services. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's a. Uh, it's it's interesting. It's got to be hard to do a name change, but you said you got the funding. How'd mm -hmm. you get the funding? What was that about? Well, basically, my takeaway from the first year of when I when I uh, uh, 
ran the, the Atlanta Jewish Music Festival was basically, you know, I had a shift in vision and I realized that the vision worked, but that we had a branding problem. Uh, you know, many non-Jews were afraid to come. I had non-Jewish friends who were, you know, are you sure I can come? And I'm like, yeah, I, I, this is my, you. yeah, of course you can come. And then a lot of Jewish people who I had to convince that this was not just going to hear, you know, Hava Nagila all night, for example. And, you know, I put out flyers everywhere. This was my test the first year. I put out two stacks everywhere I went. One had the name of the festival facing up. One had the name of the programs facing up. And afterwards, I go pick them back up. And I'd realized that most of the ones with the programming were taken, but nearly none of the ones with the name up were taken. And so basically, I met with our, yeah, I met with our top funders. And I basically said, look, we, this vision's working, but we have a branding problem. And we either need to step back from being a brand and become like a Jewish arts council puts on some concerts, or we need to become a brand. And Luckily, one of the funders there agreed to, you know, fund this rebrand. So we mm -hmm. worked with a wonderful agency here in town called Three Owl, and they uh, just kicked major butt for us. Yes. <laughs> I would say who knew, but uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's smart. That's a clever way to do that. Uh, have you gotten much pushback or uh, from folks that are like, ah, oh, how could you take and change the name? Atlanta Jewish Music Festival It was Atlanta, and now it's this. No, 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 no. I mean, do you get any of that, or is it? been pretty uh, positive it's been mostly uh, it's been overwhelmingly positive but i have gotten a few people who you know first of all i want to say that if i think you know you worked for bonnery you said you know i think if bonnery was called the nashville arts festival it wouldn't necessarily be what it is and uh my goal here is not to make this festival feel like a hyper local event that happens to be in atlanta which mm -hmm. you know is kind of what ajmf was no, no you know uh knock on that it's just what it was and my goal here is to have more of a national event that purposely takes place in Atlanta. A um, national event. So is there is there thought and plans to perhaps do the programming outside of Atlanta and, and, and grow it back? Uh, potentially, yeah. I mean, that's one of our like long-term goals on the board. And even when I've, you know, gotten response from funders and people who have, you know, seen this, they said, you know, I've, I have people in, uh, you know, Denver have already said, we need to bring a Naranana to Denver. And that's not the immediate goal. The immediate mm -hmm. goal is for people to want to come to Atlanta to go to Naranana. Uh, but, you know, uh, in terms of the feedback I've gotten, I, I have had a couple people that were a little annoyed that we took the word Jewish out of it. But truthfully, you know, to me, I can't, it's not that Jewish is the limiting word. The limiting words were Atlanta, music and festival. We're growing, we're, we want to do uh, stuff outside of just one right. week in the year. And we want to do you know, stuff beyond just music. You know, I realized in Atlanta, mm -hmm. we have the book festival, the film festival and the music festival. And, and the think, barbecue fest. And the barbecue fest. But I don't think those are the things that should differentiate them. I think what we really have is live performance. And I really want to lean into things like Jewish comedy and, uh, you know. There, wait, hold on, Jewish comedy? I Yeah. Come on. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's Jews and comedian in comedy? Who would have thought? I What's know. What's to tell me that Jews are managers of, of bands? <laughs> that that too that too <laughs> so to give everyone a picture of what the uh, the event the festival was uh in the past it was like you said a weekend uh it started off with like one show variety playhouse you know three acts or whatnot and then it grew and it grew and it grew to multiple things things that were heavy jewish like uh you know a habdala ceremony or a shabbat you know, kind of, uh, I think they, gosh, I think it was like a Steve's or something like that. Mm. A Shabbat uh, concert vibe where it's, you know, Shabbat service, but music. And, uh, mm. and then it would be Jewish performers at like the city, you know, like concerts, like people would just go to see 
this musician and it was part of the festival. So I mm -hmm. got, I get that part and I, and I, and I imagine our, our listeners are getting it as well, but what, where does the change go? So now is it still going to be a weekend or are you saying year long events or how, can you describe more about what, where, where the direction's going? Yeah. So basically our plan for this year, uh, 2020 was to, to actually break it up into two weekends to do one weekend in March and one weekend in August. We would really like to shift, you know, to give all the Jewish festivals in Atlanta more their own time of year. But what we were planning on doing this year is calling it our spring showcase and our fall showcase. Okay. Um, yeah. So I think basically, you know, an, an ideal year for me would not be to say, hey, come out to this weekend of programming. It'd be more like, hey, in January, here's our entire season for the rest of the year. And it could be my ideal year would be, you know, two weekends of programming, but some event like every six to eight weeks. So that's really, you know, where I kind of want this to go. And, you know, I don't know when we're going to be able to return a live yeah. performance, but. Well, there is streaming capabilities, which, by the way, uh, you just did last week, folks. Uh, if you haven't checked this out, um, I'll drop a link here in a second. I definitely will drop a link in the uh, in the notes here on YouTube. But you were just doing uh, you and three, two other musicians uh, performed with part of the Lincoln Center. Talk about that. Yeah. Well, so we basically, we were really lucky, uh, especially timing-wise. We were uh, selected, thanks to South Arts here in Atlanta, uh, to be a part of the Kennedy Center's uh, Arts Across America series. So basically, they picked 10 performing arts organizations in each region, and we were chosen as one of them. And basically, what what we did is, this was kind of our Narana and our debut concert. And so I played piano, and I got two wonderful vocalists, Carla Harris and John Liebman. And we pretty much did an overview of Jewish contributions to 20th century American music. So, you know, we started with, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, Gershwin and Harold Arlen, and we ended with Dylan and Randy Newman. And basically, I really believe that when you talk about Jewish music, the Jewish part of the music is the story, not necessarily the music. There's too many, so much you think it sounds Jewish, but it's really not. <laughs> and I think the Jewish part is the story. And so basically we play these iconic American songs and I'd weave in, uh, different Jewish stories throughout. Um, and it was a great launch. It was, I think so far we've had over 8,000 listeners. <laughs> oh, wow. That that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, that's, that's really, really great. Uh, I, I have not seen it, but now that I saw the uh, link, I will see it. <laughs> and uh, John is awesome. He, he, his, he's got a great band. So, so that, so like, that's a great example. So John's got the electromagnetics, right? It's right. uh, isn't that the band? Electro, electro, electromatics. Okay, so I was close. You're very close. Very close. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very you know. So a band like that, he's Jewish. Would that be considered a band because he's Jewish? Uh, a part of the music, Jewish music, or or what would make or be, I would like so define that part yeah, to yeah. me. Is it because he's Jewish or? Well, to me, you know, when I originally took out this job, I met with 200 people and asked them, what's Jewish music? And I got 200 different answers. I'm not kidding. You. <laughs> and it was everything from it's a Jew playing music to anything in Hebrew to anything based on the Old Testament to anything from Israel. And I could find exceptions to every one of those. You know, I'd find a band that sings Johnny Cash in Hebrew or a Taylor Swift cover band from uh, Israel or, uh, you know, gospel music is mostly based on the Old Testament. And, you know, so basically it's everything and nothing. But for Liebman, I think a great example is, uh, we played Louisiana 1927 uh, by Randy Newman. And Randy Newman is Jewish, you know, or at least born Jewish. And John Liebman is also Jewish or at least born Jewish. But to me, the Jewish part of that song is, is uh, that a lot of, you know, one of the central tenets of Judaism is tikkun olam, which means repair the world. And when you look at Jewish composed songs throughout American history, 
going back to Yiddish theater, a lot of these songs have a just social justice component. So mm. you take a song like uh, the first one that I can think of is Brother, Can You Spare a Dime, which was written during the Depression. And it was, you know, Can You Spare a Dime? And it was like a precursor to songs like What's Going On. So and there's a lot of songs like this throughout. Jewish or, or, or the later version, I Need a Dollar. <laughs> or that. Yes. <laughs> but uh, Randy Newman's Louisiana 1927 is basically his take on the Mississippi flood in 1927, where Louisiana got hit pretty hard. And what the huh. city did is they diverted the levees to miss the rich areas in town and they hit the poor areas of town. So this was his kind of angry social justice take on that flood. So to me, that's the Jewish part. But then we played a John Liebman original and I said, you know, this falls more into the uh, Jew playing music category. So <laughs> <laughs> I think as long as you can say what's Jewish about it, it's Jewish music. <laughs> All right. And then you've yeah. got um, you've got an event coming up. Uh, let's I'll pop this up here. Talk a little mm. bit about this here. Oh, yeah. So basically, this is a fascinating. So Ben Sidron is I don't know how familiar uh, you are or your listeners are with Ben Sidron, but he's really kind of my hero in this world. He's he and, and in music. I mean, he's a piano player and a producer and a writer. And he wrote a book called There Was a Fire, Jews, Music and the American Dream, which kind of has been my guide throughout all these years. And Ben's been a, a wonderful friend and mentor since I started the job. We brought him to Atlanta a few times. But really, uh, what we're doing over the next 13 weeks, we started last week, is I asked Ben to pick, you know, a bunch of songs from American history that he that he thought told great Jewish stories. So basically, uh, we started last week with Take Me Out to the Ball Game, And basically, that was written by a guy, a Jewish guy named Albert von Tilzer, who was working for Irving Berlin. And the, the cool thing about that is he was... Uh, he had never been to a baseball game in his life, and he read an article about baseball in a Yiddish newspaper in New York, and he liked the article so much that he wrote a song. It's Take Me Out to the Ball Game. And when you look at the lyrics, it's you kind of realize it's not really about baseball. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, I don't care if I never get back, things like that. It's really an immigrant story wanting to, an American uh, immigrant story wanting to be a part of, uh, uh, you know, of America. And a lot of these Jewish composed songs from that era have this kind of, called like longing to belong you know even white christmas or uh, uh uh you know take me out to the ball game for example and so anyway we started with that and this week we'll talk about louis armstrong and his relationship with uh with judaism which is pretty fascinating and we'll you know end up with bob dylan and you know billy joel and the brill building and so each week we're going to release a song and it's about uh you know, 10 minute conversation. He'll play the tune at the end. It's pretty cool. Oh, that, that's awesome. And that's available on your website right here. Is that right? It'll okay. actually be, well, yeah, nice. <laughs> It'll be on YouTube, uh, but we'll, we'll link to it from our website and stuff. And, and if you're on YouTube, uh, definitely check out Naranana. You can subscribe to them just like you're subscribing to Coffee Connections. Nice. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So that's, that's, that's great. You, uh, um, are you planning anything for the spring or are you still kind of pandemic mindset and waiting? We're really right now, I'd say we're really uh, focused on a lot of this digital content that we're going to put out over the next few months, but we have, mm -hmm. you know, we canceled two weekends of programming this year. Um, and we, our priority is to reschedule those weekends is, or those, those shows that we had to cancel as soon as we can. So we've got, you know, dates held, but we really don't know what's, uh, coming so we have inside the contract it's pretty much everyone hold these dates we'll check yeah. back in in a month you yeah know. right uh, the, the, the three week uh, we'll, we'll, just, we'll we'll talk in three weeks we'll see where things are at it's been a lot of and, and by the way 
we'll see where things are at three weeks from today because <laughs> that is the day to vote. So, oh my gosh, yes, <laughs> three weeks until we can get back to. Well, never mind. We're not getting back, but until we move <laughs> forward, <laughs> whatever that is. Like, let's just you know, let's move forward. Um, okay, shifting gears, moving forward. Uh, you are a nonprofit. You mentioned that you had you you got funding from board members and and. Uh, community members, where's your primary funding come? Grants or is it direct uh, donations? So our primary uh, uh, supporting supporters are the Marcus Foundation and the Blank Foundation and the Helen Stern Fund here in town. Um, mm -hmm. But we do, I'd say, I mean, we do have a pretty robust donor base, but uh, most, I'd say the, you know, at least at right now, 60% of our funding comes from grants and foundations. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, that's great. Uh, yeah. So you don't you haven't had to do a a, a large like individual support uh, events or anything like that. But when you do your when you did the weekend concerts, the proceeds of that were going to the organization. How much of that is what keeps the organization alive? So we do not make. I mean, right now, I mean, first of all, we do do a a, a month. I mean, I'm basically fundraising all year round for right. individuals. Uh, but yeah, ticket sales do not uh, account for most. I mean, we we, you know, if we can break even on a concert, we're we're doing okay. But it's we don't rely yeah. on, you know, it'd be great to to grow that. But uh, um, yeah, we don't rely on ticket sales to to run. Uh, so so you're like a, a band. You don't rely on the ticket sales. You rely on merch. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'd say a lot of the nonprofits here in town that put on, uh, you know, ticketed events don't rely on the ticket sales to 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 run i mean we'd like yeah. to make you know we're working on it <laughs> no but that, it's an interesting thing and and as a fundraiser as a benefit auctioneer i do a lot of galas and you'll find that some will rely on that ticket price to break even so that whatever fundraising they do that night can actually be fundraising mm -hmm. but it, but the ticket price doesn't give them any anything but most of organizations are relying on an underwriter to come in mm -hmm. to be able to pay for the event. So those, mm -hmm. which is essentially a party, right? Like let's bring our people together. Let's celebrate the mission. Let's create new donor relationships. And while we have all that going on, which is paid for by the Marcus foundation, thank you or whoever, right. Uh, that you also have an opportunity for fundraising there. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and again, building those donor relations. So it's a, it's not, you're right. It's not always the ticket price. And a lot of it is the programming. And mm -hmm. um, how do you guys, uh, I do want to talk just briefly about the programming. Like, how how do you go about picking your artists? So, do you have a list that you're going after? Is there uh, a concept like this year? Let's really let's really dive into you know mm -hmm. get this message out so that people are exposed to it here, here, and here. And that's the message. Kind of what's um where's that all flow? Yeah, well, honestly, I uh, kind of come up with concepts and I think about what I'd like to <laughs> to hear too. And but I mean, I'm constantly thinking about this stuff, but really. Uh, you know, we've always done a collaboration with ATL Collective. Uh, and to me, uh, it used to really just feature the music of a Jewish performer. To me, I've decided all of our collaborations with ATL Collective will actually focus on the music and the story of a Jewish-owned record label, uh, which can get complicated. Our first year, we purposely picked Chess Records because that's a very complicated story about the prolific, important, and complicated Jewish-Black relationship um, but, you know, my first year, I, I was determined to do the music of Leonard Bernstein. And I really wanted, you know, when I was thinking of who can play this, I was not thinking, 
which Jewish performer can play the music of Leonard Bernstein? I was thinking Leonard Bernstein was a great uh, Jewish contributor to music who can best play his music. And then, so I got a uh, piano player, Bill Sharlap, who's, you know, just fantastic, uh, with Tony Bennett, Barbara Streisand, with everybody. And so pretty much it's, I come up with concepts in my head or have specific bands in mind. I mean, people send me a lot of stuff. I listen to everything. Um, but it's really, you know, I'm thinking a lot about uh, what could we bring to Atlanta that's, that's really special, that has a good Jewish story, and that would be great. And it would also be different from just going to see, you know, a Jewish performer when they happen to be in town. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can't wait till you bring uh, David Grisman through town. and uh, We're working on it. <laughs> and who's he play with, uh, the Jewish musician? Uh, oh, Statman? Andy Statman? Yes, yes, yeah. Andy Statman. Gosh, oh, God. Love yeah. that stuff. That stuff that, I mean, yeah. I saw Grisman like a year or two ago. And at the end of the first song, he said, can y'all hear me? And somebody yelled out, play louder. And he said, it's called listening. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of interesting now that we're in this new world where, so I went to the drive-in to see uh, Umphreys McGee on Friday. And wow. that was my first live music. I mean, I, you know, I'm a huge live music person. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, three, four shows a week kind of guy. <laughs> Uh, and so it, that was the first concert since March wow. or even maybe February. Mm. Any rate, uh, it was interesting because you're so spread out. It was really done safely. And I'll talk about that on my other podcast another time. But where I'm getting is where musicians actually are now getting people to listen because they're spread out. You're there. There's talk, a lot less talking, a lot mm. less socializing, because you're not walking around seeing your friends. Mm. Uh, and then in the virtual realm, which is even funnier, is that now musicians don't have the crowd in front of them where they can see them. So mm -hmm. the talking over music is gone. <laughs> That's very interesting. Yes. <laughs> I mean, so is the energy. Uh, uh, you're a performer. I mean, what's it like for you to perform like the other day where you're performing on camera? You've got a couple people in the live audience. You're a videographer. Oh, by the way, a great team. I saw you working mm -hmm. with Ali uh, uh, and the production and, um, and uh, uh, the uh, production team. What were they called again? Alana? Uh, um, a good foot. Good, for good. Well, production. yeah, hurt, hurt, and then the, the video camera production team. Oh, uh, live event solutions. That's it. Yeah, they do oh, a really yeah. great job. Oh, they were awesome. But no, you're so right. What, <laughs> what's it like for you though to perform and not have that energy like with the crowd? You know, because when you perform, I know it's like ten thousand people in front of you, right? <laughs> yeah, well, you're rounding up just a bit, just a bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, uh, it's interesting. I guess when I'm playing with a band on a camera, it's it's definitely odd because we don't feel the energy from the audience, which is a little strange. But to me, the the trickiest part is in the most uh, relieving part when I have a band is we can say this song, we're going to do this many choruses. So we know when it's going to end. But I've done a couple live stream concerts where it's just solo piano and I'm by myself. There's no one. In, and to me, the, the great thing about music and but is that I can get very carried away. So I'll play a solo song and have no idea, you know, I don't set how long it's going to be ahead of time. So I would do these uh, live streams and think, geez, did I just play a song for 10 minutes or two minutes? I don't really know. So <laughs> you're basically, you're basically just covering Keith Jarrett. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty <laughs> much. Without the moaning. Yes. <laughs> Without the moaning. You know, but you, you probably do the <laughs> instead of the moaning. I right? <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should do that. Would be really funny. Do like a, a Keith Jarrett, but it's an oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. I love Keith Jarrett, though. <laughs> yeah, one of my one of my favorites for sure. Uh, so uh, okay, like you uh, know, that you're able to bring all these musicians through, 
is there a musician that in your being a musician, is there someone that like, wow, you know, if I bring this person through that maybe I get to play with them or someone mm. that you're really excited to be able to connect with on that level? Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, bringing Bill Starlap was a big deal for me. I'm not sure if you're mm -hmm. familiar with his music, but it was, he's one of my favorites and, uh, you know, it was cool. Cause you know, at the sound check, he's saying, Hey Joe, play with my trio for a minute. I want to hear the room. So I'm playing with his band, which I love, but you know, to mm -hmm. me, uh, I, I don't know. I'm really excited. We, we are trying to work on Grisman. And uh, yeah, it's to me, I mean, I love connecting with these people on a personal level, but to me, this job isn't really that. <laughs> I just want yeah. to bring good stuff to town. And Grisman's something I'm very excited about. Got my fingers crossed we can make that happen. Yeah, man, I could totally see like, uh, because like you could do with Grisman, you could do a regular concert, which you know, all the heads will show up and like the, you get, you get a mix of like such a mixed audience, mm -hmm. but then you could also do like a, you know, a bagel brunch with him too, where like, you know, at the city winery and, and people get a chance to like talk his story a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. like they, you could totally, you could, it's a lot of mixed programming you could do. It's great. Oh, totally. We're leaving it open. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, well, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. I'm sure we could, you know, keep talking about music for hours, but, um, <laughs> I, I like to, before, before I end, is there anything else you want to share about an upcoming events or getting involved with, uh, Naranana or anything else? Uh, not really. I mean, I hope y'all will just follow us on social media and see what we're up to. We got at least two events a week for the next while. And, uh, it's just at Naranana. And those events are free, correct? They are. Yeah. I mean, it's really just like a release of a video and, you know, we're doing like a live stream series every Wednesday night and, uh, just little things, but no, I appreciate you wanting to talk to me about this and, and talking yeah. about this and all this. Yeah. Oh, great. Um, I, I close every episode with my guests getting to pick one of my future guests, a nonprofit in Atlanta. Is there a nonprofit that you think would be a good fit for Coffee Connections? Yes. I think y'all should talk to somebody at uh, South Arts, the organization that's kind of helped us get in, made that connection with the Kennedy Center. And, uh, uh, my friend over there, Leland McKeithen is awesome. I would recommend her, but there's, there's others yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would appreciate that. Uh, a little post, uh, connection over email would be, be most appreciated there, but thank you again for your time. Uh, oh, by the way, on the intro, if you didn't recognize that performer, that was you. <laughs> <laughs> Sounded familiar. <laughs> no, thanks um, for playing it. And you can check out Joe's music on Spotify and again, naranaarts.org for all the upcoming um, events and getting involved. Thank you so much, Joe. Everyone, we'll see you back Thursday with, uh, we've got, Goodwill of, of North Georgia. Goodwill of North Georgia uh, joining us. So uh, till then, thanks, everyone. We'll see you.